All right. Okay, so um, the, it was pretty tricky coming up with something to share with you guys this morning because we're in a bit of a transition period between the uh, our mega series, trying to have a bit of a look at doing some new stuff with the church. Um, so I thought uh, I'd just have a bit of a look at my life and what I'm going through at the moment and pick something relevant because then I can speak on it, which is pretty convenient. Um, and we've been watching this um, YouTube channel called, um, well, the main channel is called Binging with Babish. It's a really cool YouTube channel about this guy who, he's a chef and he just takes um, uh, meals from like shows and stuff like that and tries to recreate them. So it'll be ridiculous things from like cartoons and he'll try and make the real life version of this kind of thing. And one of the things that he has is something called Basics with Babish, which is instead of doing stuff with shows, he kind of just shows you the basics of how to boil an egg or um, I don't know, how to cook pasta or how to make pasta. It's going back to the basics. So this sermon is the basics with Luke. Um, so it's just super simple. Don't really know how long this is going to go for. Probably, probably on the shorter side, but um, hopefully it's relevant. to. Ho hopefully it resonates with some of you. So how do you guys prioritize your time? I feel like, yeah, oh, well, do I hear a groan from somewhere? Yeah, prioritizing time. I can see I'm hitting something already. Excellent. Uh, that's good. I find, um, uh, I don't know, I find as I get older, and I'm not super old just yet, um, that the need to prioritize my time just gets more and more important as you, know, you have more responsibilities, more things that you could be doing, that kind of thing. I'm hoping that there's kind of like a bell curve where it gets kind of like, you've got a lot of stuff you need to do towards the end. Hopefully it drops off a bit. I don't know, you guys. We'll see how we're going, maybe not. That's a, yeah, I know, right? So there's a lot of things happening for me um, at the moment. There's a lot of big changes in my life. Um, there's a lot of demands on the, on the limited time that I have in the week, my favorite of which is um, learning to be a husband, trying to spend some quality time with my cute wife up the back there. Um, it's exciting. It's, it's challenging at times. It's, it's humbling as I realize how selfish I am and um, as I go to try and adjust my, like, the amount of time that I had to do stuff for me, now I've got to think about more than just myself. Uh, but it's extremely rewarding, and I'm very lucky. Um, just recently at work, we've, um, uh, we've had um, a whole heap of uncertainty around funding uh, with the university not hitting its enrollment targets. And it's, it's an Australia-wide kind of thing, so that's obviously putting a lot of pressure on the top of people who put a lot of pressure on the bottom people who... You know, it all kind of filters down, so everyone's working harder with less resource. I know I'm not the only one. There's a, there's a lot of people here that are, um, are doing that. Uh, and I know that programming doesn't sound like a tough gig, but I assure you after a solid day of programming and navigating the political structure of an organization, you're pretty cognitively wrecked at the end of the day, even if you're not physically wrecked. I've been really challenged by this idea of a more uh, missional approach to doing uh, church. Um, for many reasons, some of which I want to explore a little bit uh, later, but I really want to spend more time pouring um, out you know, time and love to my fellow Christians, but also my non-Christian as well. So that's, that's something that I think is important that I want to spend time doing. Um, I've got to start thinking about kids. It's not, not here just yet, but I'm one of those kind of have-it-all plan. All you guys with kids are probably just laughing at me like, <laughs> Don't know what's coming, buddy. You can plan all you want. I'm not naive to the fact that, um, that I don't really know what I'm talking about, but it's still one of those things that's on my mind. I'm going to look at you know, buying a car soon for, for Knowles. I'm going to buy a house if, if we're going to be able to do that. 
I want to come up with ways to ensure that I can provide for my current family, my future family, to give them as much opportunity as I possibly can. I've got to figure out how much of that is my responsibility, how much is on them. I don't know. These are all things that I'm quite new to. Uh, and on top of that, I've got to find time to be with God. I've got to time, uh, find time for myself. I've got to time, find time for some projects and stuff that I like to do. And I've got to find time for, for friends. Uh, like I said, some of these things I'm fairly new to. The capacity to which um, I, I have done some of these things is, is changing. Um, and sometimes uh, I feel a bit lost trying to, trying to figure it all out. Uh, trying to balance these things and, and prioritize them. Which things are most important? Where can I compromise? Are there things that I should stop doing? Are there things that I need to start doing? When it comes to the way in which I serve God, I have a lot of good uh, opportunities, but which ones are God calling me into where I can flourish, where I can do the most amount of good? What are the ones that I'm passionate about? Where should I prioritize my time? Like I was trying to get across in, I think it was, I can't remember the last time I did, was it the Solomon Sermon? I don't know, maybe it was the Solomon Sermon. If you're here for the Solomon Sermon, like one of the illustrations that I did, you've probably seen it, is like you get the big rope of like eternity. There's a tiny little bit right at the start. That's the bit that we're in, and the bit that like what happens in this little bit determines like the rest of our eternity, that kind of stuff. Like I was trying to get across in that sermon, we have this little speck of life um, on this earth right here at the start of the rope before we stand before God to give an account of what we did, what things should we be focusing on right now. I'm sure we've all been here. Maybe you're here with me right now and you're going, um, hallelujah, somebody else doesn't know what, what's, uh, what they're doing. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, maybe for now, that season is behind you and it's, it's a pretty steady time for you with what you're doing. You've got a, a good rhythm going and praise God, that's awesome. It's, it's, uh, it's an awesome thing to know that you are in step with God. That's really, really cool. And I want to praise God for that if that's if that's where you're at. Regardless of which stage you're in, I hope this will be helpful uh, to all of you, whether it is just a reminder and an opportunity for a health check, or if it is something to grab onto as a bit of a basis of trying to figure out what you should be doing with your time. And before I start, I just want to pray. So, Willie Byrne, I pray that the Holy Spirit would nourish you today, the Holy Spirit would encourage you today, that he would build you up today, he would give you direction today, he would challenge you today, he'll provide for you today, would draw you closer today, and that the love of our God would be poured out on you and be enough for you. In the great name we pray. Amen. So, as I was saying, it was a pretty big struggle this week to try and figure out what to bring to you guys, because I love you guys. Um, you're valuable to me. Your time is valuable to me, and I always feel a lot of pressure to come up here and... Um, do something that's going to be worth your time kind of coming here. And I know regardless of what I say, that you're coming here for God, you're not coming here to hear what I have to say, but it's still, um, I always kind of just think, oh, how can I just, how can I build up my brothers and sisters? So hopefully, hopefully we can do some of that. So in the midst of the, all these compu- competing priorities and these big decisions, these commitments, these time pressures, these responsibilities, if you're not entirely sure what you should be doing, I want to give you a place to start. There's just... Two things that I want to talk about today, so it's not going to be super huge, um, but the two most important things I think to come back to are the two greatest commandments. Um, they're great for a reason, and I'm going to read them to you. In Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, 
Um, some of the, the experts in the law are here and they're testing Jesus. They're asking him all these questions. And in 34, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them an expert in the law, and tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, and he quotes from, he's bringing this in from Deuteronomy when Moses was giving the law to the Israelites. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So that means that in all things that we should be doing, in all decisions that we need to make, in all of the things that we need to prioritize, you should be able to hold these things up first and foremost to the greatest commandment, is my love for God evident in what I'm doing here? Is my love for God evident in the way that I prioritize my life? Is the way that I trust God, rely on God, consult with God, is the way that I do these things consistent with the most important commandment that God gave us, and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And in Deuteronomy, it even says strength, all your heart. So I'm going to say heart, soul, mind, and strength from now on because it adds more to it. And I'm getting it from Deuteronomy. I'm not being heretical and adding stuff in. And second to that, how is what I'm doing, what I'm planning on doing, what I'm prioritizing in my life, in these things, how am I showing love to my neighbor? <laughs> I'm not just talking about surface-level love, but hands and feet love, time investment love, active love. Love with the same amount of effort and commitment to which I love myself. The second most important thing we should be doing is loving our neighbors ourselves. So if you're like me and you're unsure of what you should be doing, all these competing priorities are starting to be a bit overwhelming. Uh, all these decisions you have to make are overwhelming and you're looking for a bit of direction as to which options you should choose. Coming back to these two things and basing your actions, decisions, and priorities on them, I think is a great place to start, right? There's obviously, there's so much nuance to this. There's so much application to these kind of things. But fundamentally, the two most important things that God said for us to do were to love God first and foremost above everything and to love others. Practically, this could look like going through uh, each of the things you spend the most of your time doing and answering these questions about them. How is my love for God shown in this? How, or how is my love for others shown in this? I'm at work. How is, how is my love for God shown in the way that, um, that I conduct myself at work? How is my love for others shown in the way that I conduct myself at work? That kind of stuff. You, you guys get the picture. You can like All of the stuff that you're doing, hold it up to these two questions, and it'll give you a bit of a health check as to, as to how you're going. So I'm going to briefly explore these, these two commandments. I'm going to take too long. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. So before anything else, first and foremost, how is your, work with, your walk with God, Willie Byrne? That's the main one. That's, that's the greatest commandment. How is your walk with God? Do you love God above everything? Is he the love of your life? Does he have 
the position of being the most important thing in your life above all of your stuff, above your car, above your house, above your work, above your friends, above your family, above your kids, above, above your husband or your wife. When the expert in the law asked Jesus what the most important command was, it turns out that the most important thing to God is that he is the most important thing to us. God wants us to love him. He wants us to pursue him. He wants us to have faith in him. In fact, when you're deciding what it is that you should be doing with your life and you want to, you want to live out this first commandment of loving God first, in Hebrews 11, 6, we learn that without faith, without earnestly seeking God, it's actually impossible to please him. In Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So you can be doing all of this other stuff. You can be walking the walk. You can be talking the talk. You can be helping out people. And that is awesome. God can absolutely use that, and he does use that. But the Bible says that unless you have faith in him, unless you are um, pursuing him, you're not pleasing him. It's impossible to please him without pursuing him first. And I would argue that if you're not doing that, then you're, never, you're not loving him with your whole heart and you've actually missed the mark on the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. <laughs> Is the lifestyle you have, your normal mode of operation, one that loves God wholeheartedly with everything you have and makes him the utmost priority in your life? Because that is what God is asking of us. What do you reckon? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> need to get Fidel in here. I want you to remember that there's grace and forgiveness for when we don't measure up because of the ultimate act of love of Jesus dying on the cross for us. So don't, I don't want you to be discouraged, but I want you to know that God loves you. He created us so he knows what's best for us. Are we loving God with our whole heart? What if all your friends turned away from God? What would you do? What if all your family turned away from God? What would you do? What if it was no longer safe to worship God openly like we do? What would you do? Are you committed to keeping him at the center of your life? Above all else, and especially when you're in a season of tough decisions, competing priorities and the water level seems to be rising, remember that the greatest priority, the most important thing, is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You need to prioritize that. Now, often when it is all going south, um, our love for God is one of the first things to drop off, right? If you're angry, if you're upset, you're not feeling provided for, it's really easy just to get angry at God like, straight away. And, and, and God's big enough, he can handle that. And you might be thinking, well, Luke, it's really easy for you just to say, when it's all hard, you have to love God, especially when it's uncertain. That's a bit naive, mate. How does that actually even work? Ah, oh, it's really, really tough. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Luke's telling me to love God. So, oh, loving you, God. I'm still in this mess. I can feel a bit like that, hey. 
So God does have the right to just command that we love him, being God and all. But I think we have to remember that he promises to provide for us everything that we need. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. He promises to love us and that nothing can separate us from that love. He promises to strengthen us, to uphold us. He promises never to give us more than we could handle with him. He promises to pour out wisdom to those who ask. He promises to give you peace when you pray to him. And ultimately, he promises to save us from sin, and he did. So instead of a distant God demanding that we love him, one of the ways I see this command is of a father protecting his sons and daughters. When I was thinking about this, this is kind of like, this is kind of like the little scenario that I saw playing out in my head. I'm not putting words in God's mouth. This is just kind of how I, how I see this commandment. And I kind of, I see it as though God's kind of saying, hey, Luke, or hey, Ben, hey, Hannah, hey, Ebes. Hey, I know, you're, you know, some things are tough right now. And you might think this is counterintuitive with everything that's going on, but, but I love you and I created you. So I actually know what you need more than you do. And right now, you need me to be your strength. Right now, you need me to provide for you. Right now, you need my peace. Right now, you need to know that I'm with you. So when I told you what the most important thing is, I said that out of a place of knowing you, having created you and knowing what's best for you. And right now, what you actually need is to prioritize me. God, not me. You need to prioritize relying on me, pursuing me, and the things that I have for you. This should be our priority all of the time, but especially when it's hard and when it's uncertain. So, first point, don't forget. The greatest commandment, the thing that we should pursue above all else is to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Pretty good segue. Love your neighbor as yourself. The next basic thing to come back to when you're trying to figure out this little blip of life here at the start of the rope of eternity is that the second most important thing that we should be doing is loving our neighbors as ourselves. So again, in all of the things we have to decide, in all of the things we can choose to do with our lives, in all circumstances I find myself in, how is my love for others evident? How am I bringing a bit of the kingdom of God to my neighbors? What does it even look like to love others as yourself? What do, you guys, what do you guys think it looks like to love others as yourself? What are, the, what are some of the things you think that looks like? It's a very broad question, so there's not going to be very many wrong answers, but are you tracking with me? What kind, of, what kind of things do you think it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself? 
there's, there's a whole lot of nuance to it. There's a whole lot of application. This is not something that I can sit here and tell you in a probably longer than 30 minute sermon at this point. <laughs> but I think we can look at a few things that might help us dump this out, right? You've all, I'm sure you've probably all heard this before, but there are at least seven kinds of love in the Bible. Um, the English, like, rendered love is actually a whole heap of different Hebrew and Greek words. There's eros love, which is sensual or romantic love, like that between a husband and wife. There's storge love, which is familial love, which is that love that parents have for their children, their family, their grandchildren, that kind of stuff. There is philia love, that is friendship and brotherly love. There is agape love, that is the universal love. This is the uh, most scholars would agree that this is the highest kind of form of love. It's, it's, it's the love that we have for strangers, God's created people, God's created nature. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's the love that God has for humankind. There is ludus love, which is playful love, kind of like teasing and flirting. There's pragma love. It's my kind of love, practical love rather than feely love. The kind of love you have when you say, do something practical for someone, like uh, you know, sponsoring a world vision child. So you don't really have a relationship with them, but you're still showing them love. That's pragma love, pra- practical, probably pragmatic. I don't know, that's probably where it comes from. There's philosia love. That is love of self, which can be positive or negative, depending on the extent. It also includes things like self-esteem and self-worth, that kind of stuff, how much you love your, yourself in, um, in an appropriate way. You can, they can also use that as kind of like, oh, you're just lover of yourself kind of thing in a negative way. Love your neighbor as yourself. Any of you know which love this, this word is? Which one do you think it is? Agape? Any other takers? He's right, it's agape. Close. It's kind of agape. It's actually agapao. Agapao, which is agape love. Um, it's the type of love that God has for uh, humanity, but it's the verb. It's not a noun. It's an action. It requires you to do something, which is pretty cool. So we can talk about agape love. We can talk about um, agape love, like God is love. That would be agape. Um, but we have to, the, the agape is the action of it. It is, it is evidenced by our actions. It requires you to do something. This is the type of love that God was talking about in Leviticus when he asked Moses to forward this on to the Israelites. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. A bit further down in Leviticus, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is that it's this, like, this active love. And I know that that last one's a very specific kind of example, but I, was, I couldn't help but think about um, all of the Syrian refugees that we've been hearing about that we have right here in Tawum. I know that this, like, this is, that passage in Leviticus about the foreigners is very specific to that context, but I just can't help but see the parallel of the context that we're in here in Toowoomba with all these refugees coming in. Why don't we as a church find ways that we can show them this um, ag- agape, agapowing, Love of God with our hands and our feet. This is unconditional love, even when it's not reciprocated. 
You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is the, this is the kind of love that they're talking about. when It says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we have love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor begrudgingly. Nope. Love your neighbor when it suits you. That's not what it says. Love your neighbor when it's easy. Got bad news for you guys. Nope. Love your neighbor as you do yourself. That is, with the same passion, with the same commitment, with the same energy, with the same dedication and perseverance with which we love ourselves. That is how we're supposed to be looking out for each other. That is how we're supposed to be loving each other. Agape or agapao, this expression of agape love, signifies our responsibility to seek the greatest good of our neighbors, both Christian and non-Christian, showing them the love of God that God shows us. I think one of the things I'm most excited about about this missional direction of the church that we're looking at is, um, is the opportunity that we'll have to be part of this kind of love, to show it and also be part of it on the receiving end of it. And this is talking about the church in general, but for years we've, we've been just trying to get people into groups or programs within the church to love each other, right? You're in church now, welcome to church. We've got a group that you fit in, you'll all love each other. And that works to some extent. But how much greater bond do you develop when, um, with your brothers and sisters when you're actually on a mission with them, when you're doing something worthwhile with them, when you're going through stuff that is hard with them, when you've got to rely on them? How much greater bond, how much greater love are we going to need, are we going to need to show in that context? That's why I'm really excited about this missional stuff. Because in that context, um, we get to actively show this kind of agape, agape um, love to our brothers and sisters. And not only do we show it to our Christian brothers and sisters as we're in the trenches with them, but we're showing it to the non-Christians as well. Think about this. How many sports teams have you seen that on the first day they all meet up, they just stand together in a circle and they hold hands and they're like, we're on the same team now. We're going to love each other and I've got this great bond with all of you. It's not how it works at all, is it? No, it's in the training. It's in the striving for the win together. It's in going through the victories together. It's in being beside each other in the defeats. That's where this bond forms. That's where these strong friendships form. I'm really lucky to have great friendships here. I consider myself friends with all of you, even the people that I don't really know yet. Welcome. I think I've seen you around. Um, but I'll tell you that the strongest ones I have, the strongest friendships I have, are with the ones that I'm doing stuff with, stuff that's hard, stuff that I need help with, stuff that I can encourage other people with, whether it's doing sermons up the front here, whether it's doing something with my young adult brothers and sisters, whether it's just cooking pizzas for people. When I'm in, 
when I'm doing something with my brothers and sisters, that's where these, these strong bonds are forming. And that's why I'm just so excited for this, the missional direction that we're, that we're trying to do as a church, because I think not only is it going to be uh, showing the love of God to those who don't know it, but it is just going to help us um, get those amazing friendship bonds that you couldn't get any other way. By its very definition, to love someone as yourself, it's a personal love. It's an investment in their lives. It's a, it's a want to share your life with them and be part of theirs. Can't. Well, I guess you can practically love yourself, but by very definition, to love yourself is a personal love. And that's how we're to love other people. It's not a love out of obligation. It's not some transactional love where you do it to get something out of it. It's, it's unconditional love. It's the love that God has for you. It's trying to bring a bit of the kingdom of heaven to your neighbors. That's a privilege to be involved with people that God loves. That's so why whenever I'm just like having to deal with someone that's really tough to deal with, I find it so refreshing to just remember that God loves them the same way that, uh, that he loves me. And that kind of just like levels my playing field a little bit because I don't see them as this person who's really annoying me or frustrating me or hard to get along with. It's good to kind of put the God glasses on and be like, oh, well, actually, God made them. He created them, loves them. Anyway, they're the two things. Don't know if that's resonated with some of you. It's just some of the things that I've been thinking about lately. So in conclusion, if it's if this is a time of decision for you, if it's a time of change for you, if it's a time of figuring out where your priorities should be, or if this is just an opportunity to, to reflect on how you're going, if this is just a bit of a health check. When it comes to deciding what you're going to do with this short amount of time at the start of this rope of eternity, just remember that the two most important things that we are to be doing is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. We're going to be loving our neighbors as ourselves. Everything else flows out of those two things. So you can start there. I don't know what that looks like for you. You'll have to figure that one out. One of the things, when I was having a read through this sermon, this morning, and I was just um, kind of going through, doing a bit of proofread. One of the things I regret is that I didn't put more examples in here of how Jesus is the ultimate expression of this. He loved God perfectly. You know, not your will be done, but mine, that, that kind of thing. We see that Jesus hangs out with the outcasts of society. He loves them. He feeds them. He taught, teaches them about the kingdom. When I was reading through it this morning, I wish that I put more examples of that in, but... I'm going to do a bit of a, a sneaky thing and say that that's your homework. Because <laughs> I'm not responsible for your faith. You are. Um, so Jesus is the ultimate example of this love that we are supposed to have for God and for others. Um, so as we come to a time of communion, I think we've got the communion stuff out. Yep. Greater love than no one has no one than this to lay down their life for one's friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life so that, so that when we don't love God the way we should, when we don't love our neighbors the way we should, we aren't um, stuck in that 
God has freed us from that. Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, he has freed us from that so that when we stand to give an account of our life and what we have done in this short little bit at the start of the rope and we fall short, Jesus steps in and he goes, no, I've paid for it. For those who trust in him, for those who love him, for those who pursue him. And that's, that's amazing. So as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us and maybe be prompted by the Holy Spirit for some of the things that we need to, to change in our lives, take this bread and we'll take this cup. Be thankful for what Jesus has done for us, that he has loved us.